Welcome to Western North London, where I've never been more ready for Arsenal to stop playing. <laughs> I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Um, I think we all just want this feeling to stop. Like, as opposed to last year, where sometimes we, we just wanted wanted them to keep playing every few days. Now I feel like whatever this is, I don't want it. I don't want any of it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a minute since we've uh, actually wanted to have a break and a, a, a regroup and a, a just a, a time not to to feel sad. <laughs> yeah, I maybe I, I, I've lost my conditioning. You know, like we we used to be kind of flip flip the other direction where it was um, it was nice when we could get on a win streak, and now it's like a necessity. <laughs> the yeah. expectation has certainly changed. Yeah, I mean, we always have to keep things in perspective, and that you know we are on the upswing, and mm. you know this isn't the four years ago or three years ago. There's a uh, still a lot of positives, and we are still in a, a good spot. But yeah, it's uh, it's not been a, a fun couple of weeks no. for an Ars- to be an Arsenal fan. No, no, no. Um, so we'll talk. We'll talk more about the state of the team in a little bit here uh let's talk drinks i haven't even opened mine yet i'm behind oh you want me to go first yeah then, go ahead because i poured mine into a nice mug um i'm having the mopa mosaic pale ale by menace brewing surprise surprise it's our uh single hop uh, pale ale it's let me have a drink mm-hmm. of it it's absolutely fantastic. It's, uh, I think you would like it, Caleb. It comes in uh, ABV. Gosh, I don't have it off the top of my head. I think it's right around 6%. It's a um, mosaic hop, so it's very piney, kind of traditional IPA, a little bit of that uh, maltiness, but you know, not as super, or pininess, I should say. But it's just not as uh, super in your face as if it were an IPA. So it's kind of a, a light IPA, I guess, mm. but... I love the I love a single hop mosaic and we do a good job at Menace Brewing. So yeah, fantastic. I do like mosaic. Um and pine I think is my favorite note on an IPA. Mm-hmm. Like if it's slapping me in the face with a tree, that's what I like. Yeah. I mean this is definitely it's not slapping your face in the tree. It's more brushing you gently in the face with a do- like a fur brush. Caressed with a vine. Yeah. But I mean, it it's nice. I think uh, most uh, breweries are kind of slowly moving away from those like tropically fruity hops and are kind of, it's correcting itself to more of that uh, traditional pininess. Mm, good. There, there, there was a course correction that was overdue. Yeah. I mean, it's just starting. You're, you're, you're still going to see three to four hazies on a list for a while, but. Yeah, they're still very. Very well advertised hazies out there. Like I, mm-hmm. I saw something for get ads for like Founders Brewing on something, and it was like looked like a good beer. I'd usually make Founders does decent beers, but then it's a hazy. Yep, and I'm just I'm over it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah the uh, the market got way oversaturated. It's just like anything. They're they're good hazies. They're bad hazies. It's a fine style, but too many of them. Yeah. Too many of them. I went I went out somewhere recently and it was like 
the only IPA on tap was a hazy. And I'm just like, okay, well, I guess, guess that's what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> Although let me, as I'm drinking a pale ale right now, extol the virtue of a pale ale if they don't have a hazy. The pale ales are just, you know, almost on the same thing, just maybe notches down. And like the modern pale ale is probably what a IPA was 10 years ago. So yeah, I do like a pale. They're, they're, this was a, a restaurant or restaurant slash bar that didn't have that many taps. So uh, fortunately, my I mean, that sounds like limited. Yeah, I, that sounds like a you problem. Yeah, you I need needed to, to get sure up and just walk the, out. Yeah, find a restaurant with at least ten taps. <laughs> um, I I have something that was given to me over the holidays. I got a couple beer treats from uh, my future brother in law, and uh, he he brought me a, a really uh, a really good one that I will I'm saving for sunnier days with Arsenal. <laughs> um, and then I I got this one and um it's a Bellingham brewery. Ooh, which one? It is from Colshan. Oh, I do love Colshan. Uh it's it's a red uh red cap Irish style red ale. Oh yes. Uh and I'm just I'm, I'm kind of happy to have something that's not an IPA. So Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, definitely malty. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can be in the mood for some maltiness. I think the um, the wheat, the wheat comes through for me a lot. Oh, but it's it's fine. It's it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, of their beers, it's not necessarily the one I pick off the list when I'm over at Colshin. Yeah, but it's a it's a fine one. I mean, I'm, that tends not to be a style I drink a ton of. I have to be in the exact right mood to have a, a pure, you know, red ale. I think I would go, I would go brown, brown over red most, most times. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a, I like a nice multi brown. I'm, we, I have, we have a, uh, ESB on tap at the brewery, which is fantastic. And a Bach, which are kind of hitting those multi notes for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I, I struggle with wheat beers. I mean, they're yeah, hmm. just in general. You just don't like don't like that like biscuity, weedy flavor. No, Mm-mm. I don't know when when wheat <laughs> beers got ruined for me, but yeah, that's not been my favorite for a while. Probably one one too many blue moons. I'm guessing a hundred percent that. I think that that was really the beginning of the end. Was so many blue moons. <laughs> and I, I think my somewhere along the way, my father-in-law got uh, the idea that I liked Blue Moon, and I think he just always stocked it, and so it was like the one of the only non-Bud uh, Light beers at his house. So that I just had had to do it out of necessity. I couldn't bring myself to jump on the Bud Light bandwagon. So, yeah, I mean. I think it's one of those beers that uh, people who don't drink craft beer think is a craft beer. So if they find out you're a craft beer drinker or into beers, that's the the beer they'll gravitate to. Yeah. It's a, a kind of a marketing thing. Yeah. They really they they really did their work in the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> um 
but yeah, I can't, I can't do it. It, 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 it's been defiled. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see that. Uh, for me, I like a good wheat beer. I just, you know, good is the uh, key part. There's, yeah. there's a few styles that I don't, I don't drink as long as they're, they're actually well-made. I actually do like a nice malt or a biscuity, wheat, wheaty flavor, especially summertime or even springtime is usually when I go gravitate towards those. Yeah. Yeah, they have a time and place, but most of the time I think I'm going to steer towards something more hoppy. Getting hit in the face with a pine. Yeah. That's, uh... Hit me with those trees. <laughs> All right. Uh, Timbit, hit me with that. Uh, well, you know, we're, we're trying to avoid serious topics for a bit. So I was just, you know, thinking we're, I think most of the country right now is going through a little bit of a cold snap. And mm. I know up here we're supposed to get to like something like 15 degrees Celsius or Fahrenheit. Yeah. Negative. It's going to be negative 11 Celsius. That's, yeah. So um, I was just thinking, what would be Arsenal's ice cream flavor? What would be the official flavor of ice cream? For Arsenal. Sorry, the cold just got me into that that mindset. Instantly, Rocky Road came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's mold, it works because there's, you know, Rocky Road Castle. Uh-huh. And then just the, the idea of a Rocky Road. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> it, it just flew into my brain. There's there's no other answer. Gosh, I haven't had Rocky Road in a while. I, it used either. to be my favorite has everything you want it's like chocolate it's got marshmallows got a little bit of salty nut thingies mm-hmm. going in there i'm a strong believer that my ice cream needs to have large chunks of other desserts mixed into it so rocky road is like the original mix-in sort of uh ice cream before that was yeah before ben and jerry's like took it to the extreme and started adding all kinds of things to their ice cream now they're like half candy bar half ice cream <laughs> yeah which I love. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm I'm all for yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, OG Rocky Road. Yeah, I was like, I was thinking, getting back to the question that I, like I was going more, almost a more literal direction. I like yours much better. I was thinking something like vanilla and whole or sliced cherries ice cream. I think that's like tutti frutti. There's a there's a specific mm. name for it, but it's like the the sliced cherries and vanilla ice cream. Okay. Sounds good. You know, get the little red, red and white. Yeah. Um, I'm very much wanting ice cream now. So thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. We'll get through the show and then I, hopefully you have some in your freezer. I do, thankfully. Um, we'll see if I make it that far. Um, all right. Let's let's uh, do this thing. Unfortunately, <laughs> I so. I don't think either one of us want to talk too much about this FA Cup game. Is there anything you do want to say about it? I think the only, like when I was thinking about it before coming on to record, I was just, it's the same story. I mean, (laughs) copy and repeat our podcast from the last two weeks, you know, like it's, it's, I don't think there's anything new that are different from what happened. The, the, you know, the Fulham game or the uh, the West Ham game. It's the same problems, the same issues, which in some ways is nice, I guess, because at least we know what the issues are, but <laughs> solving them, I guess, will be the, uh, the difficult part. But yeah, I mean, what else can you say about that match? Yeah, you know, we play, played 
some different things. You know, we got Nelson coming in. We had Havertz playing up front. We had Jorginho and Ramsdale and um, Kivior in there. So he had some changes, but it didn't make it didn't make a lick of difference. I mean, it just yeah. I thought I thought Nelson had some nice looks, but really just kind of fell into the same rhythm with the rest of the team. Like lots of um, penetrating runs and, and, and um, good action here and there, but ultimately lots of near misses and, uh, you know, kind of just missing that final product overall, just like pretty much everybody on this team and just couldn't put it together. Yeah. I mean, Odegaard hitting the crossbar. Yeah. I thought, you know, Ramsdale had a good game. Um, (laughs) Good to see him in the mix again. I think he like the thing I do when, when, whenever we do see him play, I'm always like trying to compare and contrast. And I do think like there was a couple moments I was like, Hey, he's, he's got some good distribution. Like we, we should not uh, knock that or, you know, I, I don't think they're that far off. Um, but I do think like Raya's got a little bit better uh, control with the ball at his feet. So his, his possession's pretty good uh, in that sense. Um, but I don't know. It's like, it's, it's tomato, tomato. They're, they're very, they're very similar. And, uh, I, the thing I think is, um, more apparent to me when I see Ramsdale play is just that he's very vocal and that he kind of is a, a voice on the, t- on the field when, when he's, he's playing. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that shouldn't be discounted when we do the, the comparing and contrasting, that it's not just all the the play on the field. I, I mean, I I think I've been saying it for a while, which is I think the difference is so slight between the two keepers, and that's where I'm a little bit unsure of what Arteta is thinking with this one. That he, you know, he created a bit of chaos to 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 bring in Ray and you know spent you know not not a huge amount of money, but not an insignificant amount of money to bring in Raya. and. As this thus far, a little more than halfway through the season, I just don't see a, a major difference between the two. So it's just, you know, was the juice worth the squeeze? Was it really worth all this, uh, you know, uh, hubbub and, you know, the goodwill of the fans to a certain extent? You know, that was it's definitely something that, uh, you know, as we go forward and, you know, the times are tougher, the goodwill that's been stored in the bank, a lot of that got used up with this, this, uh, goalie switch yeah I, you know i think objectively though if you if you were a, a neutral observer the controversy does just really stem from the fans and not and and, mm-hmm. and not necessarily anything that's affected um the team play like i don't think the goalkeeper controversy is like uh affected the team particularly maybe individually you know, with, with Ramsdale and Riyad themselves, but as far as the product, the end product, um, it's hard to say we like took a significant step forward or backward. I mean, maybe slightly forward Mm -hmm. in some areas as far as the possession and control, because we've seen that improve on the team overall. And I think the goalkeeper piece to it it is a significant piece to that. Um, but you know, the, the controversy is, is really the, the fan feeling and the sentiment that, that we have towards Ramsdale. And, um, I, I, I'm sure Arteta is aware of that 
and and understands that that was going to be part of the the problem he was creating but i think internally it, it probably doesn't feel like that big of a controversy i'm sure ramsdale feels some some way about it but it i'm i, I think he's a professional and that that is not necessarily going to affect the team as a whole yeah, I mean, and but that's what it wasn't what really what I was just saying about the uh, the fan fan sentiment specifically about that. What I what I'm kind of saying is that it uh, kind of that that le- lever that he pulled chips away at the fans' kind of backing of the Arteta project as a whole and the the players. This player, you know, you only have so much goodwill, so much willingness to uh, work with the team you yeah. know the and the, this like good feeling that we've had for the last year year and a half it definitely is starting to you know there's starting to be a little bit of fraying at the edges of this with the uh the results and things like that and the the goalkeeper controversy is is definitely affected that mm. so in, in that way i was just you know you wonder if it's it was it's just one factor to throw in there of like was this change worth it yeah, I think most people would say he's not he, he's his lack of changes is probably more more the the problem <laughs> the, the lack of rotation, the lack of um well, I it, there's rotation and there's also the 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 lack of depth and and I think that's that comes from a lack of rotation, you know, like if you have players that are coming back from injury or need need to get more game time to be sharp. Uh, the rotation is really important. And I think he's been rightfully criticized for not getting enough minutes into the likes of uh, Nelson and, and Smith Rowe and whoever is kind of just on the, the edge there of, of the first team. Um, because when we've gotten into these situations, you know, you can look at the, um, the rust on these players and and it's like (laughs) of course we're not gonna um get much out of them they just haven't had any opportunity to get themselves into shape um and it that's that's unfortunate because what this team really needs is uh some sort of injection of energy and um some pressure from the bench you know like I, i think this idea of uh competition in the team and and that that pressure to maintain your place in the first team only works when you a play play these guys once in a while and maybe and and maybe lower your high standards uh, for a second so that you can um you know bring the team up as a whole but also like i i think uh without the maybe we would see more of that competitive uh, spirit in the team if we weren't decimated by injuries. I mean, I think that that is, we can't discount the role that injuries have really played the last couple seasons. It's been rough going. And I, I don't know that you can place that squarely on Arteta to try to dig his way out of that hole, but it, it is, you do have to think rotation would, would be one solution that, that could have been implemented sooner. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a double-edged sword in that way too, which is that, you know, the fact that there hasn't been a lot of rotation kind of means that there's going to be more injuries. Mm. You know, these players aren't robots and they uh 
they do need some sort of rest. And also it because of the lack of rotation, these players aren't getting their their practice time so that when you do need to lean on them, they 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 haven't had game time experience or you know game sharpness. So it's kind of a I I understand where Arteta is coming from with the idea of you should always just start your best starting eleven. There's no reason why these players can't play this amount of games, but it, in some ways, I think he's creating the his own problems in that way. And I think there there needs to be a happy medium. And I think some coaches kind of over tinker, but you know when you have certain players playing a hundred percent of the minutes, and you know it's it's going to be hard to get the sharpness and also the motivation. If, if you, you know, if you're Smith Rowe, you've at this point have got to feel like, how am I ever going to get on the field without injuries? You know? Yeah. I think you also have to look at the types of wins we've gotten this year. Um, the game state makes a difference in how you use your team, of course. So when we're getting these, uh games where it's down to the last minute and you're looking for that last goal you're less likely to take off your 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 top players and Mm -hmm. uh if you are the type of team who can get out ahead early and control and maintain a lead then of course arteta would feel very comfortable putting in some some players to see out a game and 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 feel like he can put on some of these bench players and still um maintain the type of control that he has from the first team. Uh, it hasn't played out where we've seen out these games with enough control. I think we, we throw that word around a lot. And, and for the most part, Arsenal is pretty dominant, but we have been prone to dumb mistakes and giveaways and things that have um, put us in difficult situations. And when you're not comfortable, you're not going to play your... Um, your guys that are not filling you with confidence at the moment. You know, I think he's, he's definitely the type of um, coach that trusts a certain group and you really have to work hard to get into that, that, um, that team in his mind. So I think it is tough when players are kind of caught in that in between, they can't really break their way in. And we've seen um, some of these players fall by the wayside and really even when the opportunity has arisen, um, they just they can't they can't possibly get to that level that Arteta expects in that short amount of time when they get the those those fleeting chances. Yeah, I mean, I, and to a certain extent, I think Arsenal is a kind of a victim of their own success. That with the year that we had last year, that I think was surprisingly better than most people were kind of anticipating. Mm you've kind of moved this expectation. So you've moved the project kind of up further. And I think, you know, we're at the point where we've gotten together a pretty strong starting 11, but we haven't gotten the depth pieces that I think we would want. And I think maybe that's a, another year or two or a couple windows out as far as what the Arsenal board was expecting. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's, it's, it's hard to have those depth pieces to, so it's, it's kind of hard to have your cake and eat it too. When you're still in a, I wouldn't say a rebuilding mode, but slightly rebuilding mode. I don't think this is the mo- the optimal arsenal as Arteta and the board envision it. Yeah. And I think when we get to the January window, we really see 
kind of where our deficiencies are hurting us in the long run. Because mm-hmm. if you can't play these guys, you can't put them in the shop window. You can't develop them. You can't like, you can't really re- uh, recuperate the time that's already been put into them. Um, if you're not getting the product on the field or you're not able to move them on. And that's been a yeah. struggle for this team is to be really be able to sell uh, the players that aren't good enough in, in the coach's mind. Um, we've had to, we've had to uh, pay people off too much. We've had to just kind of allow players to um, sit on the bench and collect the paycheck. I mean, Nelson's been around for forever and it, you know, the uh, injuries and things have not helped him um, as far as, making an impact on the Arsenal team or moving on to a different team where you can get more playing time. But um, either way, these we've been, we've been squandering some of the assets and it's hard when you're trying to chase the champions league and, and the premier league title at the same time. And you really have not been able to, um, flip some of these deadwood players over the years so when you're looking at your depth it's just it's really not at the level it needs to be and probably won't get there until you can sell off some of these players and turn them into new players and it's like you can't do that without playing these players so that they get better and can bring in more money and so we kind of get we've been caught in this weird cycle where we can't really um sell our way out of sell our way out of it and i don't know with ffp um, what the best approach is because the um the owners could throw a bunch of money at this, but you really you can't do anything without selling players. Yeah, I mean there has to be some more income, and I mean it's for quite some time now been the with the weakness of Arsenal's transfer policy is the fact that we just can't sell players. It's just you know we 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 don't do good good business in the windows as far as you know moving players on. And that's a, you know, that's a problem that I think I, you have to start looking at uh, Edu and the, those people to, to rectify it. And, you know, it's been better. We have moved some players on, but it's still not to the level that we need to. And there's still a lot of players that I forget that we still have that are on our books that mm-hmm. uh, every once in a while pop up. And I'm like, oh, they're still around? How? Why? why? Yeah. I think... Uh the the injury piece has been cruel to us as well because it's put us in a position where um multiple windows we've been kind of in desperate need for reinforcements in certain areas but really it, it's been um you know we've been able to bring some some players in and 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 you know Odegaard's a great example where you just kind of luck into a loan and and that really works out but we've had we've had quite a few that just didn't catch either um that's bound to happen with any team but when you are Mm -hmm. kind of thin when you're kind of not able to spend unlimited amounts of money um it uh it can it just catches up you know it's not like we can um we cannot reinforce the team of the way we need to at the time we need to because um we also just kind of get into this desperation situation where teams, other teams know what, what our position mm-hmm. is. And it's like, well, you want our guy? Here's, here's an extra 20 million on top of what we were already asking because we know you guys are, are stuck. You know, it's like you, you, you are, 
coming into the market uh, in a position of weakness. And it seems like Arsenal is always kind of working from that position. Yeah, I mean, with the injuries, though, I think Arsenal hasn't been as badly hit as some other teams. Mm, and, you know, yeah. I think there's a there's a, always be worse. a lot of the, yeah, it could be worse. And that that I I don't see it really, really as an excuse, because if you look around, there's been some other teams that have had some extreme pretty key injury. I mean, you look at City, they've they've had their fair share of pretty tough injuries, but still managed to to win games and find the uh, the pieces there. But they benefit so, from having very good depth. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, we all make fun of uh, of City and their their money. But, you know, it's not like Arsenal has been impoverished and not spending money. Arsenal no. for several transfer windows have been the leading, if not the or among the leading, if not the leading spender in the windows. And if you, you know, if you took away Chelsea and their their madness, we would be out spending a lot of teams. So you have to start looking at the resources that we have spent and why it hasn't worked out. We, we, we should have depth with the money we're spending. I think that you have the, the difference between us and, and them and those other teams is they are able to sell players. I mean, if you've played mm-hmm. for Pep, you're, you've got a, a stamp of approval. So automatic, it's automatic money, right? That, that mm-hmm. system breeds good players. Uh, and then you look at Chelsea and they've been, they've somehow done, outstanding work with moving on academy players and they get get pure profit profit from that and that's that's really what's kept them from running too far afoul of ffp that plus amortizing their contracts and that sort of thing which had to close that loophole but um you know they they still both those teams have found found ways to sell and that's what's kept them ahead because they're able to flip players and turn that into fresh blood I think it's a, it it is a little bit, excuse me. It is a little bit of a, Arsenal is also afraid to kind of kill their darlings. Mm. I, I feel like, you know, Smith Rowe, we probably should have sold them a year or so ago. No, I brought it up before. And I think it's a little bit of, we, we, we want them to be the Sokka's of the world where, you know, they finally come through the team and you know make make good but sometimes you have to have a player that actually has value in order to sell them you know and when you wait too long and they're not getting minutes that value really starts to die off really quickly and then you're just kind of you know the exact opposite situation you're at with you know trying to bring in players which is that everyone knows that you know smith row isn't in the team so and we don't really have them in our plan, so we can't ask for a premium for them. Right. Yeah, it's, it is another tricky situation when you have a 10-goal a year and then follow that up with injury. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you feel like you, you can't sell them at a low point, you know, because the potential's there that he could be a 10-goal scorer again. But until he gets back to that, you're leaving money on the table, so to speak. Because you've mm-hmm. you've you've developed them all this time, but you've missed your shot to sell them high. So now you gotta wait until that that comes back. But we're not in a position to bring them back up. It's just it's very frustrating to watch yeah. that asset get squandered. Yeah, and it's it sometimes feels like a catch twenty two, or 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 whatnot. But I think maybe a little bit more ruthlessness with our our academy 
talent would would help us in our uh, our our recruiting for getting depth. Yeah, and you know, you look at um, Balogun, and they were able to uh, sell him and 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 make some profit there, and that had certainly helped um, keep us afloat in this previous window. And it, it, it's it's there's definitely a class of of decent players that's kind of on the fringes. Um, but isn't get isn't going to break into the first team anytime soon. So, um, you know, you got Rue Walters and, and, uh, uh, in on the bench for this FA cup game, those are the guys that are kind of knocking on the door, but there's not really a clear path for them to get into the first team at the moment. So I think, um, you look at those as easy loans, to make but then when you're having a crisis of depth it's like well even loans are, are going to be difficult unless you're um you know a cedric or something who's not even uh really mm-hmm. in the in the plans in the long term and loans also aren't a, an economic solution they you know help with wage bills but yeah. some of those players aren't on the the heftiest of wages but you're you're, you're not you know making the money on the loan no it's a it's a sales it it always is like are these guys going to see any minutes because really the the important part for their development especially a winery who's got a long time before he's reaching his prime at 16 or 17 whatever he is at right now Mm -hmm. he's got he's got time to develop he's not in any rush to um be in the first team so he's probably going to go out on several loans before he's he makes that break um but that i mean that's kind of what the uh, next group of sellable players looks like, and I it seems like they've got quite a ways to go to get to the level where they're bringing in good profits for us. So it, it's it's not an easy fix as we enter the January window. Um, it, it, it's like I said last week; it felt like we have to do something if we're going to keep up. But you look at the the reality of it and it's hard to hard to imagine they can do anything well and if you're listening to the noises i mean even arteta and of course you'd expect any all the the people saying no no we're not buying because if you announce you're buying the prices all go up right the noises really have been feeling like they're not going to be doing very much if any business this january they're not they're not looking really to spend money and they're trying to figure out how to maximize with the, the the pieces that they do have right and you hear, uh, you know, I think the Crystal Palace uh, and Kedia link has been around for a couple windows now, and it it always um, seems like Arsenal are not in the market of of wanting to sell in Kedia. But I, I I think the the problem there it, it would be good to get the the profits and the um, the flexibility for that it gives us from uh, um, FFP standpoint uh, with a homegrown player. Um, it's, uh, it's really about having a, a, a ready-made replacement. And I don't know that that's out there in January. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing too, is if you, I mean, in that specific area, we don't have any depth mm-hmm. <laughs> in striker and, uh, you know, so you're kind of in a tough situation there where, you know, you're. And you're one JJ's injury away from a fairly major crisis, if there isn't already a crisis in the striking core. And you know, if you get rid of the uh, 
that in Kedia you have no backup and you know Jesus is known to get an injury or two in his career so yeah yeah there's no there's no easy solution available at that I can see but then we get link we'll get linked to some random player I think um the uh Onana link has been going around this week with um uh the Everton midfielder and uh mm-hmm. I think great sure why not but don't with all these links it's like astronomical fees are being thrown around I'm like who are we kidding they're not mm-hmm. they're not going out and spending 80 to 100 million on a player midway through the season I just don't see that happening after a, the mega signing of Rice I don't see them following that up with a mid-season blockbuster signing yeah. as well no, I can't. And as I say, I mean, Arteta specifically spent a good chunk of his post-game press conference talking about how we need to really look at the pieces we have and how to maximize those as opposed to uh, looking to the transfer window. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think that's the, the crux of the issue is, you know, how are we going to maximize these, uh, <laughs> the, the, the things that we have? Cause I mean, at the end of the day, I, you do see it and you know, we do have most of the pieces there, mm. you know, it's when you're, when you're looking at Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard, you know, Saliba and, uh, uh Gabrielle and, you know, Raya or, or Ramsdale though. I mean, these are the makings of a very good top class team the stats are bearing it out as far as what they're producing. It's just, you know, something's not right. Yeah. I think you look at a lot of the, um, a lot of the pundits who are doing like mid season, um, you know, all, all league. What am I looking for? <laughs> to, uh, best, best 11s. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, Rice and Saliba were fairly common selections in that. So we have two yeah. two of the best players down our spine in the league. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. it's not even, I mean, I think Odegaard deserves to be in that conversation as one of the best of his his um, mm-hmm. position as well. You know, Saka would probably be in that group were it not for like Salah playing in the same position. You know, it's, <laughs> it is, um, if you're only able to pick one, it's uh, it's tough to to see Arsenal being the completely in the best eleven, of course. But the um, the reality is we have not done enough in in the goal scoring to really justify that across that front band. Um, so having a, a a couple great defensive players does not fix what we're doing in front of goal. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I I I don't. And I think that's like the fifth time I've said at the end of the day, I need to <laughs> stop saying that. But uh, it's not our defense that's been losing us these games. It really has been the lack of offensive production that has really caused us some issues. You know, the last, you know, I read a stat somewhere, you know, it's like what one goal in, you know, gosh, however long it's been, it's not been a, a free scoring December for us. Mm-mm. I I do have concerns. I mean, there's lots of places where we could probably reinforce, uh, but looking at like who we could be getting back, um, still 
Thomas party is supposed to be coming back uh, later this month, potentially as far as getting, getting back into um, some sort of action. I don't know how long it's going to take for him to get back to his, his true form, but um, that's, that's a great boost as far as saving some um, or creating some more rotation for rice and that sort of thing. And having some op an option in the midfield that, um, can actually really change games. I mean, I think he's uh, party's been injured so much. It's like you kind of forget what he can do when he's at his best. When he's at his best, yeah. I mean, I, I've even before he was injured, I was I've kind of been over party. Hmm. I don't. I I I haven't seen, and I still think. Then when you're looking at that, it's that doesn't address the core problem that we were talking about, which is scoring goals at the end of the day, you know? No, I that's know. A, that, and, and, and that's what I was trying to get to is like, that's not going to fix the team. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. The, um, you know, we're still missing, uh, I can see his face. Uh, Timber. Not Timber. Uh, Vieira. Zinchenko? Vieira. Oh, Vieira. There's yeah. another player that would be an option off the bench that has not been able to be there for quite a while. I think people forget he's on the team sometimes. Um, Tim Timber's another one. I don't know when or if we'll see him this season, but he is a potential game changer for us in that back line as far as um, another technical player that can um, allow Zinchenko to do some different things or to get a rest, which he definitely needs. Um, and you know, it's, I don't know if the solution's there. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't really I mean, see it. I, that's the, that's the thing is I'm just trying to rack my brain. It's, I, the thing is that we know that Odegaard or not Odegaard, uh, Martinelli and Saka are better than they've been showing the last four, five games. And you just kind of, in some ways, I guess you just have to be patient that they'll come back. You have to maybe figure out how to get them more, more involved in the, the cutting edge of things, or at least figure out how to, to optimize what they've been doing in the final third. And I don't, I don't know the solution other than, you know, <laughs> getting a new striker. Cause I, I mean, I like what Jesus does and I think he has a lot of talent, but uh, you don't see him as like that Fox in the box really scoring. And, you know, and Kedia is kind of in that more traditional, but I don't think he has the numbers to really show that he's going to be a, you know, 10, 15 goal scorer. No, I and think, I, I think he would have to start every week to even come close. We're not ready to, turn the keys over to Enkedi anytime soon. I, 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 I would, I don't even think he would. I don't think he would be that. I don't think he just has that in him. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, it is, uh, I, I mean, it, it, there's obviously a problem. I can't diagnose that is just deeper than we need new striker. It's, especially because I don't think we're going to get new striker. So I, maybe it's as, as simple as actually relooking at our formations we're using 
maybe switching up what we do, making the team much more offensive. I mean, one of the things that has been talked about, I've read and listened to is the uh, shift of Odegaard in the last, you know, several months from a more being a more kind of cam to stepping a few feet or a few paces back from the, uh, the box and trying to be more of a, a provider. I like him better when he's scoring. That's for sure. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, you, you can do some tweaks. You can really, shake things around you can try starting doing a uh, you know two striker formation they're 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 levers to pull i mean it obviously arteta has an idea of what his I- ideal formation is but it i mean at this point it doesn't seem to be working and some shakeups need to happen yeah i think it's it is imperative that they fix something in this break. I I think a rest is going to be a big piece of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like tactically, mentally, something has to shift. So we'll see. We'll see what, what they can come up with. They've been very adaptable over the years as far as figuring out different ways to score and different approaches and i think the emphasis on set pieces the um amount of pressing that they do the uh there's 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 some things that are like they were really good at this season that have kind of fallen off and Mm -hmm. so i think finding a way to get back to where they were is really the key because there's they the control is there when they can put put it um you know put everything together they just need to get the goals to go with it it's just a it, they're just missing the that that piece it's not like everything's broken it's just that final third is elusive yeah i mean i i think that's where we've been fairly doom and gloom in this uh kind of uh talk but uh you have to realize that we're not in a bad position right now no as far as the league goes that we have, you know, the first half of the season, I think, from if we take a step back, has been fairly successful. It just kind of is ending right now on a, a sour note. And we are very, very close to being excellent. I think, you know, as you said, just one or two tweaks, pieces, just figuring out this one final thing of scoring goals, which I guess for that easy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. everyone would do it. Yeah. But uh, if, we, if, if we can kind of just twist the knobs a little bit, find that, that, that one solution, I think we will explode. And, and so in some expect, uh, respects, I'm excited to see us figure this, this out. And when the team becomes the final, final morph, the, the, the final, uh, version of itself, I think it will be very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, Let's get to, well, we will say we're, we've got this little bit of a break. Um, we are, we're not going to be recording next week because of the break, but we will talk about um, Crystal Palace coming up after that break. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I think it's going to be such a, a test as far as mm-hmm. what are we coming up with? Uh, what what is this team going to be about after this break? Because it, I think 
the pre the pressure is certainly there from a um numbers standpoint with that with those two losses in the league it's really put some pressure to to right the ship and stay in the hunt because it won't take you know a, a loss or two more and we could very well be out of it you know it's it's not easy to pick up points when everybody's battling like they have been yeah and you know the, this game is an opportunity really for arsenal to showcase that they aren't done with the title chase that they aren't falling over that they 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 get this awesome opportunity because you know palace is a good team but not you know something that we're going to be you know uh, afraid of i think it's a, a a chance for us to go in there and really put a, a flag out that hey we're uh we're we're still here you know yeah i think that's that is the quintessential statement game and it has to be mm -hmm. at least a win to 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 re uh reestablish ourselves as contenders yeah i mean just looking at our farm alone i mean it, it really does need to be a win just to really kind of get things course correct as it were and get yeah. back onto the looking up as opposed to down and and really uh getting things going and you know you have a break so hopefully the players will be rested for the most part and they can really work on their mental aspect of the game which is something i think that it has been lacking Well, we'll we'll see in a couple of weeks um, if the the rest and relaxation in Dubai has paid off. <laughs> uh, and we'll see if if in that time we actually get some real links to anybody, or if if it's uh if it's going to fizzle out as far as the uh, <laughs> the transfer window goes. Um, let's get to questions. Uh, we got a couple this week. Uh, do you want to take the first one or the second one? What do you? What, what's your preference? Uh, I'll read the. I'll read the first one to you. Okay. It's uh, Joe Robinson comes in with. Do Arsenal need to find a new way to raise awareness slash money for reducing knife crime? I love the idea behind the no more red kits. But from three uses, we've had three terrible performances leading to two FA Cup third round exits. And I can't help but associate it with failure now. Yeah, I I like the cause. I don't even I don't particularly like the kits themselves, like outside of the record that they are associated with. It's they're just not that great. Um white's fine and I get the the point behind it. Uh but the the, the the record definitely speaks for itself. I, it's it's hard to, uh, it's hard to look at those and be be excited because of the um the streak. You know, it's if we were to wear those again next year in the FA Cup, I'm pretty much guessing we're going to lose again. <laughs> it, I mean, it's sad. For me, it's like a you know obvious in a, in the real hard world the 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 shirt on your back really does not affect results. And it's a, uh, that, but for me, the hardest part about it is it just all white is Tottenham's colors. Uh -huh. and, you know, it really is like a, kind of a fail. Like I really, I 
get what they're going for. And obviously the cause is, is great. And, you know, we're all talking about the cause. So, sure. you know, it's working in some way. I can see where they're going or, you know, like, you know, drain the red off the kits and that sort of thing. But it's, it's, it's one of those things that feels like a marketing person came up with this idea, really pushed it. And then it's kind of one of those things where like, well, the cause is good. So you can't criticize the idea behind it type of, of uh, pushing. Yeah. You know, and I just, uh, it's definitely not my, my favorite of the kits. I, I've loved the uh, all black kits and some of the other designs and things they've done. And I think there is a more creative way to, uh, to really bring awareness about it. Yeah. Without, without going straight to this kind of all white, white kit, which almost, you know, it also just feels like a lack of imagination as well. It's just, I mean, it's literally just white. They should just get super controversial and do white with like red dripping down it. Like, well, they had the uh, the blood splatter kits. Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't too. Yeah, that wasn't too long ago. Wasn't was it? Wasn't that for the same cause? Didn't they do that for the? Uh, I thought that was just our third our third kit for a minute there. Was that the same? Uh, well, that was like during Emory, wasn't it? Yes. Because I remember like Kalasinach was wearing that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, but there, I, I do feel there's other ways of uh, of doing it other than throwing those all whites. And it's just say it doesn't, it really doesn't, you know, scratch the itch for me. No. But, you know, as I said, it's also effective. We're all talking about it. So, I mean in a certain way that it is a success for them. But uh, yeah, I think it's kind of like the uh, green kits for Germany or uh, is it, you know, I think every team does have kind of a, a kit that they uh, associate with failure. I don't know if I associate it with failure, but the, the recycled bottle kits that they do in MLS that are like yeah. all the same. I, I dislike. Well, I hate that because it's all the same. Every team has the home or away version and it's the the same kit and it's just like again yeah just a little modicum more of effort especially if you're expecting us to shell out hundreds of dollars for these things right they should be cheaper because they're recycled yeah (laughs) (laughs) at least the 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 idea is recycled too so yeah um okay next question from jonathan king monilis why (laughs) more specifically four managers in and we constantly have runs like this where we are head we're head we are ahead in every stat except goals is this the true arsenal way is osaman or tony our only way out of this hole (laughs) so let me let me get to the uh the the second part of that question first which i think is uh the easier to answer, which is no, they're not the only way out of the hole. I don't think they're likely to happen anyway. So mm-hmm. it would, and I think one of those, I, I'm, I'm fairly disinterested in Tony in general. Uh, Osman would be a different story, but again, not likely, but as far as the, the, the other, the main underlying question, why is this happening? And I don't know. It's interesting. I think stats have an interesting way of, lying to you i think uh you can look at the stats and say that you know we should be doing this there should be the xgs but you also have 
the eye test, you know, the, the intangibles. And I think soccer more than any other sport is hard to get at with underlying statistics. Mm. They're trying, but I think it's still a long way off. And you, if when you're looking at the last three games, you can see that Arsenal isn't going to be winning those games. It's a, a, just a a slowness, a lack of sharpness, these, you know, wishy-washy turns, not like, you know, Arsenal's gotten 26 shots and whatever goals or, or whatever it is. So uh, I, I think the stats aren't telling the whole story of what's going on. And, you know, we spent a good time, a bit of this uh, podcast talking about why we think they aren't, aren't going on. I, I think it's, tiredness i think it's a lack of rotation i think uh this break will do well and you know i think it's a confidence thing that you know it's going to take us in winning a title and getting continued success before arsenal feels confident and i think part of this is a confidence thing that you know you have to realize that when you lose a game it's not the wheels coming off it's just a lost game and you're going to win the next one and it, these things are going to take time and in experience and winning. And at the end of the day, I think that's the, the biggest thing is just winning the games. Yeah. We have to keep in mind this team is, is young and still learning and playing through things and coming together and overcoming those challenges is part of the learning process. And so the, the losing they've done this before they they need to figure out how to come back from it and how to overcome the the mental blocks that are there the unfortunate thing is i think we can look at the um uh the pattern and and kind of feel like we're we're in groundhog's day a little bit you know it's it seems like we've we've been here before and the the way forward is not has not been easy and i think we've we've gotten better in certain areas but this this continues to be um you know the the thorn that keeps reappearing and that's just the consistency in front of goal and i don't i don't think there's any one player that can fix it i think it is a collective effort and that's really what has worked for arsenal um up until this point was the collective and and, and mm-hmm. being able to score from multiple areas so it's not like a single point of failure as far as the uh, goal scoring goes it's across the board nobody's really playing up to their level and that um maybe it's one a, a player like martinelli kind of getting back on on track that will spur on the others or you, you know it just it might just take one or two guys to drag the rest of the team with them but right now nobody's really looking too outstanding. I, I think you look at a player like Rice, who really seems to want to put the team on his back and will play to the bitter mm-hmm. end. But his ability to affect things in front of goal is very minimal. Even though he's had some great last minute goals, he's not he's not able to carry the team in that way. So yeah, the the effort is certainly there, and I think Odegaard. You see it from Odegaard as well. But um, you know, he's a player who thrives when the people around him are playing well he can't he he's he's the type who wants to do everything but really can't um Mm -hmm. so i think it's it's difficult to to pinpoint where we can um 
easily fix this, but I think having more people who can score goals is is never a bad thing. So if yeah. we could find somebody who can bring a spark to this team, whether that's internally or externally, I'm I'm all for that because it seems like something needs to change. Um, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean we have to go out and buy somebody. It might just be getting the 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 players that we have to play to their up to their potential. Yeah, and it's a uh, when you goal scoring goals is contagious. That you know, once one person starts scoring goals, then you'll find that like uh, all these other people start coming out of the windwork work and scoring goals. And it's, it, when I look at it, I think it, it really kind of does. It seems more likely to come from the Martinelli side of things. I think mm. it, I love Saka, but one of his strengths you wouldn't say is being very outspoken and very you know uh, you know fire and brimstone, taking the uh, team on its shoulders. Whereas you know. Marnelli, at least I feel, has a little bit of that more of that in him. Mm. Yeah, he and maybe a little bit of that ter- determination. But mm-hmm. until the final product is there, he he does make great runs. He does push his way into great positions. But he's got to he's got to get that that goal that's going to kind of break things for him. Yeah, and you know it it, it really is just a matter of bang your head against the wall until those those goals come and i i do feel that once once the goals start flowing again the the results will follow and the rest of the team will follow i think Mm. you know just somewhere someone has to kind of dig it out and you know there's there's a lot of possibilities i mean you know i wouldn't put out of odegaard or you know havertz coming up and uh really having a good second half now Mm -hmm. that he's feeling more confident bedded in and you know definitely doesn't seem to be the ire of the of the fans or the center of the ire um there's a you know a lot of places where this can come from and it just you know takes a good cat trick a good uh, a couple games in a row of scoring and then things will start picking up the, the momentum changes yeah yeah i'm really hopeful we can get this figured out but uh only time will tell if they if they feel they have to make a change or if, if it is just a matter of getting this team on track uh, with this break. So we'll see. We'll see in a couple of weeks where, where yeah. this team lands. I, I, I'll i say it again. I'm, I'd be very shocked if we do any major business, the transfer window. So I feel like it does has to have to come from within. Yeah. Within each player. <laughs> All right. I, I think that's a great place to stop for this week. Uh, we've, like I said, we will be off next week, but returning the week after the, uh, I think that's after the Crystal Palace match. Is that right? Uh, let's see. The 20th is the Palace match. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, um, so after after the Palace match. Yeah, so um, we, will, we will hopefully be talking about a win. I, you know, and then Nottingham Forest is, is just after that. So, uh, I think those are great, a couple great places to pick up some points, especially as we head into Liverpool once again in the beginning of February. So tired, so tired of playing them at this point. <laughs> Can't seem to get rid of them, but that will, that will for sure be the last time we play them, right? Yeah. Champions League. <laughs> uh, uh, Liverpool. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, 
the uh, Crystal Palace game is at 4.30 a.m. Pacific uh-huh. time, so... That'll be a replay for me. <laughs> I will be desperate to see Arsenal at that point, so I'll probably wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Oh, jeez. Uh, but that's for that's for future Caleb to worry about. <laughs> right now, uh, we'll wrap things up. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode. Review and subscribe wherever you're picking this up at and go check out our show notes for all the other information on where to find us on the internet. And if you want to join us on our Discord, check out the link there as well. That should be all for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show.